it turns out she's psychic. The podcast. Spiritual musings. Sometimes amusing. I'm Tracy. And I'm Laura. Welcome back, dear listeners. This is our first Hi. episode back. Season four. How exciting. It is. It is exciting and we're still very lucky to be able to be here. Um, this morning it's over the powers of Zoom and uh, mm-hmm. our recording um, with our awesome guy that we're going to talk about, our awesome um, chief scientist. That recording is a little sketchy, unfortunately, <laughs> yeah, despite all our best um, set-up intentions. But anyhow, so uh, fair warning for everyone. <laughs> It's a good one in the why. sense that it's a lovely guest. Um, well, I learned a lesson with Zoom recordings as a result of that, which I haven't told you about, but it's just sprung to mind. Um, and even though I elect to uh, to record separate audio tracks, I went to a lot of effort to ensure all of that, I, uh, I recorded to the cloud and... Yeah. It only ever records one audio track when you elect to record to cloud. So I learnt that lesson the other day in the most unfortunate of circumstances. Oh, no. Oh, oops. So there you go, everybody. The interview's there, the audio quality. And Trace knows the lengths we went to. (laughs) Oh, man. Hilarious. (laughs) To try and um, rig up a system that would circumnavigate that but there you have it the interviews there um the content is great it's probably well most definitely not up to producer maddie's sound quality standards but he's almost relaxed at it going well it's not my fault (laughs) (laughs) so producer maddie you are off the hook (laughs) yeah Everyone else, though, get on the hook because this interview is great and we wanted to jump on and um, do it some, I don't know, service by giving it more of a backstory for everybody, I suppose. And it's our first episode back. Yeah. So (laughs) Dean is um, the chief scientist of the Institute of Noetic Sciences, but he's also many other things. Like he is, he's the shit as far as I'm concerned. He's just like... (laughs) He's in in terms of my world and someone like me, he is the person that I want to lock in a room <laughs> and sit on him so he can't go anywhere <laughs> and just say, you will answer my questions and you will tell me everything you know and you will listen to me and we will discover. <laughs> and he did though. He He's such a beautiful listener and oh. you had a great chat. I mean, we both had a great chat and... I had a great time listening to your questions. <laughs> As usual, was stuff I was, we have guests. Yeah, I think that's <laughs> that's why we that's why we work though. It was real. It was a real pleasure to be there and to hear it all firsthand. And I'm hoping, really hoping, um, that's what our beautiful listeners are going to enjoy too. Yeah, and so just very quickly in terms of what is the Institute of Noetic Sciences, it's basically an institute, a research institute where they uh, they bring the science element to um, humans that have experiences like I do. 
Um, so super consciousness experiences. And so Dean's written lots of books on this topic. Um, he is, he's like the, the guru of this topic, I would say, not that he would call himself that by any (laughs) means, but, um, basically his life's mission is to try and understand how and why and what is happening for people like me. So they, they are, um, they are donations based to their, their a nonprofit um, situation. So it all comes down to donations and um, having the money. You know, I think he said, what was it, like $20 million every year for yeah. the next 20 years <laughs> in order to be able to discover what needs to be discovered. But <clears throat> it's all the physics, all it's everything all into figuring out what is this um contact that some of our listeners and I share like what what is this what's happening and how is it happening and how can we explain it and how can we how can we use it to help people further in medicine and science and and understanding the future of of humankind which is such a cool freaking chat like just mm-hmm. completely geeking out yeah absolutely mm-hmm. um and there's a couple of passages over on the internet on Ian's website and I'll include the links after the show notes to these websites and to Dean, of course, as usual. Um, but here they write, um, through direct experience research, we apply the lens of modern science to topics often perceived as mysterious or elusive, such as the power of belief to accelerate healing or the connection between intuition and intervention. I love that. Mm-hmm. And it perfectly describes what they do. Yeah, and it was founded in 1973 by one of the um, Apollo. Oh God, can't remember the name of the Apollo mission. Edgar. By, yeah, by um, by an astronaut. Mm-hmm. Once he was way up there, and he saw Earth as a tiny little, you know, speck in the universe. He had this overwhelming um, perspective. Yeah, yeah, and desire to know more and. Yeah, it's fascinating. There's a there's a um, a lot of research going on over there, and a lot of scientists. And we were so lucky enough to speak to the head chief man scientist, Doctor the dude, yeah, the shit, the bomb. And he was so patient and kind and lovely and warm and welcoming and very yeah, good at listening. Such a beautiful man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's that's why we have him for our kicking off our first uh, episode of the season because it's a good mm-hmm. one. It's yeah, fun. very exciting. It's the first episode that you said, or the first guest that we've interviewed that you said you were act- you actually had poo pains. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Prior to it, I was all all kinds of um, nervous, and <laughs> I I don't think. Um, irrespective of how underprepared I felt, um, I don't think I would have ever felt prepared. But within a few seconds, he's so disarming that it didn't matter. And um, I think it was a combination of trying to sort out the sound stuff that doesn't matter in the long run anyhow because um, <laughs> of one little yeah, you've got push that of added the pressure. Oh, my gosh. But anyway, I had a great time. But all, yeah. all people are just people. They're all just people. And everyone that we've ever spoken to, like through turns out she's a witch or psychic or whatever, um, and even just like outside of the podcast, anyone that I've ever met that um, has this perceived sense of elevated um, person, a 
like, <laughs> you know, self, it's all us that put them on that pedestal, you know. It's, oh, it's us that, that, yeah, and when you start talking to someone, like we're, we're all just people and we're all just probably as nervous as you are in our own way. When it, Like whenever I get interviewed for something, I'm shitting myself. <laughs> and yet the interviewer is probably thinking they're shitting themselves more than I am. And it's mm. like, well, it's all just equal. I'm shitting myself as much as you are. Oh, it's a completely natural response. Um, yeah. I could spend ages reading his research and his books and everything to, um, you know, to coax the conversation along and be able to talk to him in context about what he's done and ask really thoughtful questions. Um, I think that's what I was keen on doing. Um, yeah, he's just a, he's an awesome guy, such a wealth of knowledge. And so, um, like you said, normal in italics in the way he comes across and just accepts everything that's being asked of him it was good so funny that we just said that that I've just said that and you've just said that because in the interview he actually says I'm not normal yeah (laughs) well who is you know by definition it's so funny um and then the other cute sort of connection about him that I wanted to briefly um, outline was how we found him. I can't remember if we did it in the interview um, through Teresa Chung and um, because we've been listening to her podcast for ever since it came out, I'm pretty sure. And she's um, worked alongside IONS for for quite some time um, and has interviewed various people on her podcast. And Dean, of course, is one of them. Um, She's written a book with uh, a someone by the surname of Winbridge and the founder of Winbridge Institute. Yeah, is it Julie? Um, Mm -hmm. The Premonition Code and all about that precognition and that sort of thing. So I think um, from memory that was one of my first favourite episodes of Teresa's and it all sort of brings back to Ions again and and everything. So hopefully we can um, get the opportunity to speak with more people from IONS because it's awesome. Yeah. Well, Teresa has given me, she's been so gracious um, and generous in, um, in her after contact with me since my interview with her and her interview with us. And um, I've got a few names on the list of of people that we're going to have on as guests and, um, they're people that you just you ordinarily wouldn't be able to to speak to. Like you just wouldn't, I would never be able, not never, I can't say that, but the likelihood now of me actually getting somewhere with my own personal um, quest to figure out who the fuck I am in terms of this mm-hmm. psychic stuff that happens and mediumship. Um, like I, I get to sit in rooms and have, or not rooms, well, kind of virtual rooms with people and have conversations with people. And it's all thanks to turns out she's psychic and turns out she's a witch and having that platform that allows mm. those connections to be made. So I, I had my own little moment coming home from your place when we recorded with Dean of just like, wow, like pinch, 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 you know, and it's just incredible that, um, that we get to, like, these things are done now. Like the people that we've spoken <laughs> to in 2021 um, in season, was it season three for Turns Out She's Psychic? Yeah, well, we did two and three last year. Yeah, so this is season four, <laughs> first episode of season four. That's exciting. Yeah. I know. But um, I'm, I know, and last year was just so awesome. And this year I think is going to just trump it. I think we're just going to continue to trump and trump and trump and trump. Yeah, well, we're off to a good start. 
I couldn't have thought of a better uh, person to interview. Yay. <laughs> so what else is on for you for 2022, Laos? Oh, my gosh. Well, we're finally getting this studio um, up and running. I'm sitting in it and we sat in it the other day, but there's sound panelling going on the walls and lots of different things that Maddie is, uh, you know, putting into place. So that's on the home front. We're doing that. Family life uh, is, you know, the daycare, the school, back to school in a couple of days, which will be awesome. And Hallelujah. Yeah, we're going to lean into some routines of our own, you know, have everyone craves some normality. Uh, We're going to create that for ourselves a little bit so at least we can always be assured of of that. We're going to do that with the kids. They've sort of pretty much wanted to do it themselves <laughs> so it's good um yeah work is is a ever-changing landscape um and I've got a lot to learn this year but I I think I'm starting to acknowledge I've got a a lot to give as well so it's really that um that balancing act of learning and staying true to myself and who I am and offering up that side of me in in that space so I'm going to do my best at, at at doing that. Well, you got there because of who you are and because of your light and it is lonely at the top. Mm. Leadership. Leadership is lonely because you are the one. You're the one rather than the team. And you have a team, but the leader yeah. has to lead it at the front, at the one. And it's that next level of leadership, but doing it your way, your how, your light, that's that's why you've been placed there, whether it's through human decision, universal, spiritual, all of those things combined. This is where you are. It is your reality and it's all for a purpose and a reason. And it might only be a short time. It might be a long time, but either way, it's for you to lead with your own personal um, and unique influence it's really easy to forget that last part, isn't it? Like it's really easy to to arrive somewhere and go, oh, you know, I made it. Mm-hmm. And then uh, now it's like, now what? <laughs> and then you start yeah. right back at the bottom. I'm not yeah, worthy. I don't know for. this. You can, you can see all the shortfallings and you forget exactly what got you there and starting and from that's that why, place. It's interesting. That's why learning soul lessons and really learning them stops mm-hmm. the lessons coming back mm. and then when you have learnt them when opportunities come up that have a little bit of a, a little bit of a dose of those old lessons mm-hmm. you recognize it straight away and you know that that's not the lesson that's just a part of the lesson mm. because it's a whole big level up yeah it's just like this flag that's raised mm. going remember uh, me that you <laughs> that you recognize but it's not about mm-hmm. that anymore it's about yeah. a new lesson so it's identifying really quickly what is that new lesson mm. yep yep so you've so got a big year ahead big, big yeah. year ahead yeah lots of learning and lots of really just remembering who I am at the same and, time and you know like you started out by saying such a changing landscape because mm-hmm. you're in healthcare, my love. Like yeah, yeah, that, yeah. It, it, as with a lot of other things at the moment because of the pandemic, like healthcare is, is like a, you know, a, an insane asylum. <laughs> <laughs> That's one of the things I love about uh, that always drew me to healthcare was the fact that no two days are ever the same. 
Um, mm. Obviously, there's a lot to do and, um, and I like that. I like that challenge and I love um, working in collaboration with other people because there's always going to be lots of other people that know um, so much about what they do and what they know and I think it's beautiful. Uh, it really highlights the importance of communication and really um, if people like a lot are all stuck in their egos and they're not likely to communicate effectively enough to make change. And I love how that's changing and that's evolving um, to more open-minded people. And, yeah. you know, <laughs> I, I may yeah. sound naive, but I still have hope. I think it's and inevitable. Time is reminding, yeah. I'm going to compare you to someone crazy, right, not crazy, um, like crazy cool, uh, Marianne Williams, with being like running for president, mm. for the, her presidential um, sort of shot. And it's like having a light worker like Marianne in, in the president's seat would just be like, whoa, what oh, is going man. on in the world? Mm. So it's like you're the Marianne you've been elected <laughs> into the. You're so funny. <laughs> And ridiculous. <laughs> well, you know what? Sometimes it's nice to just get a really nice little you know, <laughs> a shot of feeling good and, and realising and remembering who you are and what you are and why you are. Mm, yeah, let's all take note of that, especially this week yeah. for anyone listening. Yeah. Do it. <laughs> yeah. Now it's your turn, Tracy. Um, tell me the big things and the little things and everything in between. Well, um, for those of you who don't know yet, who aren't up to speed, I don't know where you've been and why you don't know, but <laughs> I'm not doing one-on-ones anymore for indefinitely. Mm-hmm. So books are closed. I'm not doing mediumship or psychic readings or healings. Um, and the reason why I'm not is because or there's so many different aspects to it, but the primary reason really is that I have a calling that has been burning inside. And during 2021, I just couldn't ignore it anymore. And it's 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 reignited my flame for um, like prior to doing the readings and the psychic things that I've been doing for the last five years, um, there, there was no real burning. There was no flame. And then the flame got lit to be able to help people and serve people with, with everything that I had been through personally and spiritually and wanting to, to serve and serve and serve. But eventually it got to the point where, that I, I had to come to terms with the fact and be really honest and vulnerable with myself to to say to myself, this flame has has all but gone out. And I went through that shame, the guilt, the the fear it's of ah, like it's like what will people say? Everyone was just like, you're doing what? <laughs> why? Like why would you do that? You're, you're getting great money. And it's interesting how a lot of people that um, aren't aren't sort of in in my energetic uh, um, sphere, I don't even know really what to call it, or even like world, um, that, that they straight away they're just like, why would you do that? You've been you've been making really good money and it's certain and it's guaranteed. I'm like, you don't get it. Like, <laughs> It has fuck all to do with money. Like it's fuck got all a to few do with other things that it needs to uh, do for yeah. you to if keep I was, you interested. Yeah. If I was motivated by money, I wouldn't be able to serve the way that I serve. 
like put it that way. There's no way that the universe would allow me to serve the way I serve if I was doing it just for the money. Mm. So I've, you know, that was one thing that just made me just think, wow, like that is so human of everyone. <laughs> like it really highlights for me how how unhuman I am when it comes <laughs> to those those really human kind of ways of viewing viewing business or the world. And because ultimately I, I do have a business. Yeah, ultimately and it has you to do run. worry about money. Well, you do factor it in, but there's many of other things. Yeah. Well, I don't ever worry about money. I just know that it is an element that is part of human survival and reality. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and yeah. that's as much credit as I give it. Mm. Um, but because money is just a currency, it's just another energy. It's mm-hmm. just it's just all to do with your frequency. So I know that I'm not even worried about replacing that income in any sense because I know where my frequency sits and I know that the universe will always exchange my frequency with whatever I need. So whether mm-hmm. I have the money in the bank or whether I have the resources in the bank or, you know, not even in the, the bank, but if I have the Available. resource, the, either way, the universe is going to provide exactly what I need when I need it. And mm-hmm. I have, I, I have complete faith in that and no drama at all. But what I am doing is I've taken all my money <laughs> <laughs> And money that I don't have and invested it in 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 one big energetic um all in, burn the boats, burn the bridges, there is no going back, this must work, this is everything, on a new flame that has like been burning out of control um for the last probably four or five months. And um that is sync or spirit incorporated. Mm-hmm. And so Spirit Incorporated is the Intuitive Intelligence Academy. It is the only one of its kind in the world. And the goal of SYNC is that it is the place where, you know, two questions or two two statements that I would often hear my whole life, but especially in the last few years has been, I don't even know where to start, you know, and even with the podcast, you hear, we hear it all the time, like, I've had all these things happening and you got, you girls have just made it so easy. And, and it's like, I'm learning so much. And it, so I always just had this inner sort of knowing that I was going to, at some point, be able to offer something that was the answer to that question or the anecdote to where do I start? So sync is where you start, but it's also where you can, we meet you where you're at. So there's Mm. things from real basic, no experience, just discovering this world to all the way through to advanced mediumship or running your own professional business through some sort of heart-centered or spiritually-centered, you know, service or product. Um, And it's got psychic development, intuitive development. It's going to have so many different things. It's going to eventually, it's going to have teachers from all over the world that come into this online virtual space. And, you know, there will be opportunities for in-person just depending on what, you know, what the situation is with the, with the global health crisis that we are currently (laughs) experiencing. Mm -hmm. In case anyone's been living under a rock. Um, (laughs) I want to find that rock. (laughs) (laughs) If someone has never heard of COVID, I want to be where that rock is. (laughs) I don't. I don't. Oh my God. Can you imagine? Like, uh, mm, no, Um, (laughs) that would be, I think it would be scary. Like if that rock got lifted. Yeah. I think it would be. Oh man, it would be, but let's all move under there. (laughs) Is there room for everyone? everyone? (laughs) 
<laughs> we need we need like an, a planet to or we need yeah. like Mercury ret- like we need Jupiter to go into retrograde <laughs> to cover up the earth and Jupiter can be our rock <laughs> yeah I um, don't I don't truly but, wish it it would be it would be nice for a little break yeah it'd be <laughs> nice to rewind and see if we could choose a different adventure right oh my gosh that'd be exciting yeah sorry go on um, I interrupted you that's okay so that's the first sort of answer that sync like that's that's the first problem that sync wants to solve spirit incorporated wants to solve and then um the second one is like um what's next where do i go who do i trust yeah i how do i know that i'm not going to invest in in this person or this course or whatever and that it's not going to make a difference or it's going to be you know just crap and it's it's that trust element yeah. to putting your faith in a teacher um so i want to create a space that's safe i want to create a space where a cult space essentially like seeks <laughs> a cult <laughs> it's wow. an up-and-coming cult <laughs> no but i really just want it to be a place that feels like a family i want it to be a place where you know that you're going to come to that has like-minded people um, that is going to have hopefully an answer to all your questions. And if it doesn't yet, you have the opportunity to send that question through so that me and my team, because this isn't just me, I'm going to be, I am the CEO and the founder and the principal teacher, but I've got a team of, of people that I'm selecting, hand selecting personally to come into sync. There's already three of these beautiful people that are in there. And they're, they're going to be, they're the teachers that I'm ready to start exposing people to. Mm-hmm. And so I know that I'm not for everyone. And I also know that I can't be for everyone as well. I can't be everyone's yeah. teacher. No. Yeah. And I feel that it's time to really just focus on elevating beautiful people and putting, giving them the hat to just say, okay, it's your turn to become the teacher instead of the student. Yeah. And, to and do it's my thing. turn. Yeah. Yeah it's for them to shine their light now and giving them the platform to do that. So mm. there is also an option to go through some of the courses where you become, you can become a certified sync mentor and you can become a teacher. So there's so many different options inside of sync that I'm really excited about, but ultimately this flame is lit because I want a place where everyone can start and everyone can land wherever they are. And I want a place where you can, undeniably trust and have faith in in the journey in there so that's what's in for me for 2022 and I am all in um come I've already been working behind the scenes a lot obviously but come Tuesday it is all systems go everything moves over towards Spirit Incorporated everything that I'm going to be talking about is going to be towards education and towards um, really just focusing on um, self-evolution and spiritual evolution and the relationship and teacher-student and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, there's even a new book in the pipeline. Nice. Um, which is landing and landing in a lot of my downloads. Oh, um, but so right time. now mm-hmm. I'm just getting all the puzzle pieces mm-hmm. um, and I'm not seeing, I haven't seen the box, the picture on the box yet to really know what that looks like, that what these puzzle pieces are going towards. So right now it's even a mystery to me, but mm-hmm. I know it's there, which yeah. is really interesting because I've known there's a few books there, but I hate writing. I don't like the process. I don't want to do it. Um, but <laughs> I feel like who the fuck am I was just a beautiful um, 
learning experience um, of getting over the all of the ego aspect of being an author and and exposing and being vulnerable and putting it out there. And now I have no fear around what I need to put on these on these the, the words on the paper. So yeah. that's exciting. And I don't know if it'll actually happen in 2022, but it is happening behind the scenes. So I'm being yeah. as transparent as I possibly can. <laughs> so that's me for 2022 business personally. You know, uh, my job is who I am personally. You know, I am one of those really lucky people. So personally, I'm putting all my eggs in one basket and I'm backing myself like I've never backed myself before. So I'm going to make sure that I practice and put into practice daily rituals that I teach people to get their life in sorted, the sacred spaces. I'm going to really define my sacred spaces and I'm going to live by them and I'm going to remove anything that threatens to derail or distract um, all the, my eyes on the eggs in that basket. That's like, no, nope. <laughs> I am Papa Penguin right now and I am sitting on my egg and <laughs> I am not moving for a blizzard for no one. <laughs> yes. It's just not going to happen. You've, so that's you've that. Got other and things to do. <laughs> yeah. And my eldest, Harley, he's finished school now and he's going to start his apprenticeship. So that's going to be a new dynamic as well. He's getting his license or his L's and 16 mm-hmm. year old in the house kind of thing. So um, it's big changes for the Jimmick household as well. Big year, and yeah. Yeah. And mama, so he's going to be working with Matt. So it's going to be a family business. And um, Mama Bear is going to be, um, going to be going all in so this is going to be a big year for Matt to hold a lot of weight around the house for the kids um and for those of you who have known me for a while you would know that I'm a classically trained singer from my teenage years I don't sing anymore that's a whole nother story but um Alaska's been wanting to sing (laughs) yeah (laughs) sometimes Um, she does (laughs) yeah um sort of wholesome Correct. <laughs> I'm more of a jingler. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so Alaska's actually gonna be starting singing lessons too, and she's just got the the most unique little voice. So I'm mm-hmm. really excited for that too, because that's Same. something that we both share and it's really good for the heart and the soul. So nice. that's really kind of us in a nutshell. Yeah. That's that's plenty. That sounds mm. like all big things and all good things. I just want to yeah. quickly say uh super um inspired by you and how um how how you hold yourself in what you're doing and how much you know you were just speaking about how all in you are and and I find that really inspiring that you you back yourself 158 (laughs) percent you know like two thousand percent and you you're doing it you you can see it and you want it so bad it gets you out of bed it probably um is in your dreams sometimes at night (laughs) yeah (laughs) um and you've you've talked about doing it you know you've you spent a long time um developing yourself and doing your own coaching and doing your own mentoring and you know you yeah I think I think you, you maybe you always will. I don't know. I don't want to speak for you, Absolutely. but yeah. And so you know, you've you put in a lot of long hours. You get up at ungodly hours to attend your classes online, um, all over around the world, and and look at you go. You know, 
Oh. You're it. You're the real deal. And and I love that. And I wish you all the best in what you're doing. And it's just it's just a beautiful spot for me to sit and and watch you do it and be inspired by you and get to share some moments uh, with you along the way. So it's just a real pleasure. Thank you for saying that. And it's really easy to do when you've got friends like you who, who, who say things like that and are an energetic rock. <laughs> like it's like I know what I'm going to get, I know how to get it, and um, you leave yourself accessible and open to me at all times. Mm. I know that I've always got you there and it just, it it's, um, there's a lot to be said about being in in the position to be able to do what I'm about to do and do what I have done. There's a lot to be said about the, the you know, when they say like a, there's, you know, behind all powerful man, there's, there's a woman <laughs> like, and it's like behind, behind anyone doing anything, there's usually a rock and you're there. You're, you're mm. one of my rocks. Um, yeah. And you. I love you for it. Uh, listen to us just get all cute and gushy. Sorry, <laughs> listeners, they're all going, they're doing it again. Ugh. Girls are so gross. Um, the last <laughs> thing that I want to say before we kick off um, the, the recorded interview with um, Dr. Dean yeah. uh, is that you, for those of you who do listen to Turns Out She's a Witch, um, you would be used to listening to Shannon and I in oh, our very yes. Australian accents. Welcome <laughs> to our podcast coven. <laughs> but um, I have to announce, <laughs> yeah, I have to announce that I'm actually stepping back from Turns Out She's a Witch and Shannon now has a new coven member. <laughs> um, and who's that, Laura? Me, it's me. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> Although we do like to say you'll put in um, cameos once in a while because we still have an interview um, up our sleeve from last year. So that's a, it's a Tracy and Shannon interview uh, with the tarot lady. And, you know, we're not going to write you off completely. If we were writers nah. writing a TV show, you would sort of exit the building moving somewhere. And who knows when you'll be back. <laughs> yeah, yeah, who knows? Who knows Guest when you come, come home to visit? <laughs> But it'll be fun when I do, and I'm looking forward to it. It's um, the, the the major reason why, and I'm going to be really open and honest here, there's two major reasons. One, I simply do not have the time that it takes, mm. um, and, the, and, and that's not the biggest. The biggest reason is that there needs, I live my life, by three, three really, really, really simple cues and three simple um, kind of, it's, it's like my, my ethos, I guess. And it's to be openly conscious, like to really expand my consciousness at all times. So I live consciously, I live deliberately. So I try and make sure that out of the 24 hours in every day that I'm being deliberate with what I'm doing and not just being habitual or, you know, just live a life. And, and that is one of the gifts that you get when you learn to live in the present, you get to be deliberate. And then the third thing is intentional. And I can honestly and very transparently say that turns out she's a witch for me. I feel that the listeners, the audience, the little, the little witches out there <laughs> are not going to get um, the, the, best of the consciousness deliberate 
and intentional intentionality that 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 the the message and the topic deserves mm-hmm. um because i i am not a practicing witch but i know that i have been a witch in many many past lives and i just know that the that the information the topics the 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 level of magic that sits behind it that I, i'm not all in I'm just not. I have too many other things that I am all in on. And I think that I don't think I know that turns out she's a witch deserves someone who's all in. <laughs> and and I just can't be all in for turns out she's a witch. And I know Shannon is 100%. Of course. She's incredible. She is. And, and I'm so proud and so excited for yeah. her journey with Turns Out She's a Witch because she has taken it and ran with it despite all of her own fears. <laughs> um, and you just, like, you geek out on this shit. Like, you're your own kitchen witch, head witch. It's you, funny. Medicine it? witch. You're, like, the, <laughs> the witch. <laughs> you don't even, don't even know what you do until, you know, someone else puts words to it and you're like, oh, I do that. I do that. Turns <laughs> out I'm a witch. <laughs> there you go. So, yeah, so it's just sort of like a natural progression, I suppose. I'm sliding in and you're sliding out a bit more and that's just how it runs. But, yeah, we all are supportive of one another and still love each other very much and we're all in contact all the time. So, yeah. Yeah, we're friends. Yeah, not a lot changes, but then there's shifts along the way. Yeah. And then turns out it's haunted. Oh, yeah. That's going to actually be absorbed into turns yep. out she's psychic. Yeah, we're going to squeeze it back in over here and release the episodes when they're up and ready as sort of extra ones on extra days of the week. Just little bonus episodes. Yeah, and we still want ghost stories for the end of these turns out she's psychic episodes, so keep them coming. Also listen out because or even just subscribe um, to the email list because or follow us on Instagram because um, we we really want uh, listeners, you guys, to to do research. Like if you've got a place or, or something yeah. or a story and you, like, get poop pains thinking about needing <laughs> to record your voice to do an episode, we get it. It's It takes a lot to be able to be comfortable in a microphone and, and knowing that your voice is going to be sent out to the to the, the never, never, never lands yeah, for anyone to hear goes. for all yeah. time. To all those ear holes. <laughs> just reminding Lara. <laughs> <laughs> Lara just shifted in a chair and sat mm. up and just went, took a deep breath. Mm. Um, but. Um, we know that you guys like the research and geek out on this stuff. So if you ever get a story together enough, even for like a mini sode or something or half an episode, send it in and we can read it and we'll have our beautiful Lisa. She can mm-hmm. record it too yes. and, and we can deliver the episodes to you and giving you the full credit. Um, so if you do have anything that you want to share with us, a story, personal experience that, you know, is a decent, a decent amount of story that might be a, you know, a 30 minute episode, for example, then send it in and, yeah. and we'll get it, we'll get it on the air for everyone to hear and to, to share. So that's exciting. I'm excited. Yeah. I, I'm really, really pleased you brought up Lisa because she's definitely still around and she still will be back helping us with Haunted. He will. 
Well, that was like a, a rally, a rather lengthy uh, sort of hello to everybody. How are you going and catch up? So, um, and I know our interview with Dean's fairly lengthy as well. So, you know, you can listen to it in bits and pieces <laughs> as you're going about. Maybe this is one episode for you guys. <laughs> so sorry, sorry, not sorry. We've got a long way um, to make up for our absence. Um, but we miss you guys. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And we're back now. <laughs> yeah, we're back now weekly, Wednesdays. You can you can guarantee that one. Um, yep. All right, let's go. Um, and I just hope that everyone is tuning in who has had a wonderful summer, winter, wherever you are. Um, I just hope that everyone is safe and healthy and holding it together for themselves and others and um, that, they're, that, that everyone is shining at the moment. Absolutely. Enjoy, guys. Here's Dean. Dean Radden is Chief Scientist at the Institute of Noetic Sciences, IELTS, an Associated Distinguished Professor at the California Institute of Integral Studies. He earned an MS in Electrical Engineering and a PhD in Psychology from the University of Illinois. Before joining the IONS, he re, uh, researched staff in 2001. Radden worked at AT&T Bell Labs, Princeton University, University of Edinburgh and SRI International. He has given over 650 talks and interviews worldwide and he is author or co-author of some 300 scientific and popular articles, four dozen book chapters and forwards, two technical books and four popular books translated into 15 foreign languages. The Conscious Universe, Entangled Minds, Supernormal and Real Magic. Hi, Dean. <laughs> Hi, Dean. Hi. Thanks for asking me to, to join your podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, and we especially wanted to ask you on to Turns Out She's Psychic because you are a scientist who studies psychic phenomena or psych for short. PSI. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Which, why do, they, why do they call it that? Because whenever I've heard scientists talk about psi before, I get so confused. And then when I see it written, I understand that it's PSI. But to the average person who isn't me or you, it, why would they call it psi? Well, it is psi. It's not PSI. It's a letter of the Greek alphabet, a letter P, which is the first letter in the word psyche. So from, okay. from the Greek meaning mind or soul. So it's just shorthand jargon. That's all it is. Mind, soul, science. Kind of. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of. <laughs> so um, I guess when it comes to Psy, what does science know about Psy today? Well, what we know today is that it exists. And, and so, I mean, in a sense, that's all we know. At this yeah. point, we know some characteristics about the process and about the people and the nature of the phenomena and the complexity of the phenomena. Uh, we don't know yet about mechanism. So in terms of the, most people, after they get over the idea that these things exist, meaning mm -hmm. telepathy and clairvoyance and so on, they exist. They would say, well, how do we understand that given the rest of the way that we understand the physical world? And the answer is we have some clues from modern physics, but we don't really know. Yeah. And so pe people like myself who study these things, we have to be very comfortable with ambiguity because the truth is we don't know. But mm. see, that doesn't bother me because in your, the leading edge of science in any discipline, 
Mm-hmm. Most of the time, the answers are we don't know. As Einstein said, if we if we knew what we were doing, we wouldn't call it research. That's yeah. exactly, it's the very nature of it is doing yeah. experiments, doing trials and studies and finding out more and evolving. I think which is really interesting uh, in this field, like you said, we know it exists. Um, some of us know it exists. Um, it definitely does exist, but I think a lot of groups refuse to even acknowledge that much in and of itself. Um, so then I've often heard lots of people write, and I love it when I read it, the more you know, the more you realise you don't know, yep. and it's sitting in that comfortably in a way that you can acknowledge the things that are there um, and be open to finding out more, which is where a lot of people are and a lot of people still are not. Yeah, so, you know, you, you look at one of the ways of, of understanding that uh, what science knows and what it doesn't is that oftentimes in the popular press, science is presented as though we actually understand a lot. And the truth is that we don't. Yeah. And one of the ways of saying that is if we really understood about the human body and disease and health and so on, then why are we spending trillions of dollars a year on research? Well, we've made progress over the years, but there's an enormous amount that we don't understand. And you're absolutely right. The more we learn about the nature of what it means to be human and the nature of disease and all that, the more we realize how ignorant we actually are. The same could be said for something like, why would we spend $10 billion on uh, the Large Hadron Collider at CERN? Well, we're trying to understand the nature, the fundamental nature of the universe. Anybody who has ever worked at CERN realizes that they have some pretty good models and the data and machinery is fun, but they don't really know what's going on at a fundamental level. Mm-hmm. So humans have been working with uh, science for roughly four to 500 years. And we've been around as humans for maybe 300,000 or maybe long. So why would anybody expect that we understand a lot at this point? And I know the answer to that. The answer is that it gives us technologies which allow us to do this, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So we're we're seduced in a sense by our technologies to get to the point where we think we actually know more than we don't. I love um, that. That's okay. I mean, we're, we're always being seduced by something. And in this case, it's seduced by the, uh, the uh, promise that eventually we'll actually understand everything. <laughs> I think we're pretty far away from that. Yeah. It's my understanding that, especially listening to you talk about the differences between the scientists who maybe outwardly acknowledge, um, especially to their peers, that they that they are interested in these studies specifically, and then the scientists who just you know say no, you know that that's embarrassing, or you know that's um, career suicide, or you know you're done in our circles. Yeah. It's interesting to me how um, the the idea of a scientist appears to actually be quite egotistical in a sense in human nature to to be the 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 next einstein or you know the the next discoverer the the next person who they write books and books and books and and, and um attribute studies to and nobel prizes and all that kind of thing like i feel that scientists not generally but from a from a non-science scientist perspective scientists appear to have that level, level of egotism that would, in my mind, suggest that they would actually be more inclined 
to want to study these areas so that they can be the one who works on the discovery team of the next great discovery. Do you do you feel that you have that, like when you talk about um, when you were four years old, you were asked what do you want to be when you grow up essentially and you're like, I want to be jet propelled. And, you know, in terms of having that awareness as a four-year-old, uh, it, you know, my... <laughs> and I didn't have your permission to do this, but they didn't shut up. They just came in and spoke to me about it. But my guides believed that that was actually something that your soul and your spirit is already entirely aware of being possible, that you have already experienced in another time and space, uh, you know, experience, not in mm-hmm. this human experience, but you remember it on a certain level, on that psi level. And it's about having that um that the potentiality, I guess, of the unknown and that that space that exists that's out there that we can't quantify or see or understand yet. Um, Do you feel that you have um, a part of your ego, and not from an egotistical place, but do you feel that you have a part of your ego that just says, how amazing would it be from a science perspective to have a Nobel Prize next to my name that says, I created, I had a discovery in my human experience that is renowned or that's something that furthers science potentially rather because you're obviously very credible and you've got a a great intention behind you that's quite pure and that's why I was so excited to talk to you today because a lot of scientists, their intention is not as pure as yours is, I find. Do you think that there is a part of you, that little boy inside of you potentially that's just like, I would love to have a discovery that furthers this for mankind. I think all scientists are certainly aware of various kinds of prizes. The Nobel is probably the best known, but every discipline has its own prizes for for, uh, contributions. But at the same time, I think most of the scientists that I know, we're we're not working for prizes. We're, We're not working for money either, because generally academics don't earn that much so I have always been driven by curiosity. Mm-hmm. That's, that's really where it came from, because as, as I've written and said in other uh, places, that I, I don't recall ever having anything psychic happening when I was a child, and nor did anyone in my family, and nor did anyone in my extended family. We just mm-hmm. It wasn't even a topic that came up. I, I certainly learned about it early on through science fiction and fairy tales and that sort of thing, and I knew about it, but I, I didn't expect that it was real, right? I mean, there's all kinds of things and stories that are, that even as a child, you recognize that this is a parable or it's an allegory or something like that. But what caught my attention was that since I had a a early interest in science and technology, that there was a science here. People have been applying the same kinds of tools and techniques to study psychic phenomena as they do for any other thing that we study. and because there's a way of studying it, you can maintain very high skepticism about what people claim, bring it into the lab, and you can control for all of the usual explanations that skeptics would give as to what's going on. And once you if, once you control for that and you can look at results, you can say, well, we can't tell what's going on when somebody tells us an anecdote because it's uncontrolled, but we know that in principle, that something like telepathy actually exists. And the same with clairvoyance and precognition and some degree of psychokinetic stuff. And some mediums get accurate information. So all of these things, we can now say there's an evidence based for it. 
we, we can look at the evidence and say, yes, in principle, we know these things are real. In any given case, where somebody tells us a story like a spontaneous telepathy or spontaneous precognitive experience, you don't know. So it's very difficult to know from the, from the point of view of personal experience, but that's okay. You know, once we know it is, it's real in principle, then sometimes when people are talking about these kinds of experiences, it probably is exactly the way that they described it. They woke up with some idea about a dream and the next day the thing came true. And it was not something that would normally happen, something very unexpected. Well, we then look at the data and says, okay, that, that can happen. And why is it interesting from a science perspective is, well, it tells us something strange about time that we didn't understand before, or maybe about retrocausation that we didn't understand, or all kinds of very interesting questions that pop up once you begin to understand that these phenomena are real. And until about 1920, when scientists would reject, not just scientists, but all scholars and scientists rejected the possibility of these things because it was felt at that time that the physical world as we understood it then would not allow for these kinds of things. Like the, Einstein didn't like the idea of spooky action at a distance, which today we call entanglement. Mm-hmm. Well, we know that it's true. And what that means is that, that we can have non-local connections through space and time. And so that's one, it's, it's one similarity between quantum mechanics or modern physics in general and psychic phenomena. They involve connections through space and time. And then the other aspect of quantum mechanics was the strange discovery that when you observe a system, it changes its behavior all the way down to the yeah. elementary scale. I don't so, understand that, that's fascinating. And so that element of quantum mechanics is also part of the strangeness of psychic phenomena, namely that you apply your intention, the world seems to respond. So we have we do have parallels now in physical theory that match at least qualitatively what's going on with psychic phenomena. But and some people will jump to say that quantum mechanics explains this. It doesn't really explain it. The, the way that I'd like to put it is that. Uh, if, you, if you look at the history of physics as, as pointing in certain directions, classical physics was very good at, at, to a certain point, but it did not point in a direction for solving anything about psychic phenomena. It didn't allow it. Relativity was a step in the right direction because it said there's something weird about time. Quantum mechanics is a much stronger step in a direction where eventually something past quantum mechanics will make us that much closer to actually giving an explanation that, that we can, that is resting in both theory and experiment. So how it far leads to room. It how, far do, room. <laughs> how far do you think we are from that? I, the, I didn't get your question from the laughter. How far do you think we are off that? Ah. Well, I like to put it as uh, we are either going to have a really good answer by next Tuesday, <laughs> Or 50 years from next Tuesday. <laughs> but we, we, don't, we don't know yet. It, I think we're actually making pretty good progress, mainly through the development of quantum biology. Okay. Right. There are all, you know, there are all kinds of ideas that, that pop up in science and in history where somebody comes up with, with an idea and everyone else says, no, that's stupid. That's, that's, that's wrong somehow. Yeah. And, and then after a while, some people keep working at it and then sort of reluctantly accept okay, I guess it kind of works, but it's really weak and who cares? 
And then the, the last stage is, oh, it's it's real, it's important, and I thought of it first. <laughs> so the reason this happens in the academic world in particular is that academia is all about ideas. It's an ideological place. And if you're an academic or a scientist, after a while you begin to identify with your ideas. You are your ideas. So if somebody's attacking your ideas, it is not felt like a, a like a debate. It's like some, somebody's coming after you with a knife. It's personal. They're attacking you. And so that's, that's where a lot of the resistance comes from among scientists and, and other academics. Which is uh, quite hilarious because um, that's, I mean, I never feel attacked anymore. I did when I was younger, but not anymore. But this is who I am. I am a, a psychic medium who has these, uh, I don't believe that they are super normal or X-Men traits, but let's just call it that for a second. But I have those. And so when anyone says, sorry, when anyone says that doesn't exist or that is not true or you're a fraud or, um, you know, this is fake, it's like, but that it's who I am. So. But that's because there's a difference here. You're, you're talking from an experiential basis and another person cannot deny your experience. What they can deny is your ideas. Yes. And and yeah. so that's I mean mostly there are debates about whether this idea or that idea is correct. It's very different to then say that your experience is false. Yes. Because experience is the only thing that we have. Right. Which I mean, in, you in real magic you talk about a study that was done um, with statisticians, and where you I think it was six thousand statisticians all together, and you you did a survey on them that said. And please, you know, correct me where I am potentially wrong, where you did a study where it was basically what would what would be more inclined to uh, affect you and, and your work or, or your research, this much stat, like these, these all these stats that I can give you or one person's legitimate experience. And yeah. most of them chose that one person's legitimate experience. Yeah. That, that is from a talk given by the president of the American Statistical Association to a conference of the world statisticians. So she said that. So that's Jessica Utz, and I, I've known her for years. And she's one of the very few uh, statisticians or actually scientists of any stripe who has maintained uh, one foot very dead center into the mainstream. But she also has she knows and has worked with and is understands the nature of the science in parapsychology. So when she is speaking then to the assembled statisticians of the world, she can say with confidence because she knows how to analyze data that when you look at the actual experiments, basically shows that these things are real. She also understands that if you're only able to look at this from an analytical perspective, but you're coming from a perspective where the world is basically just material, like there's nothing other than material, which is the prevailing idea in science today. It's very, very difficult to then accept, like you, you end up with an almost schizophrenic feeling of, you know how to analyze data, you know the experiments, you know they're pretty good, but it can't be real. And so that, that creates an internal conflict that a lot of people find uncomfortable. And so it's easy for them to say, I'm not interested in that stuff. It's the consciousness I mean, debate too. It is, yeah. Yeah, is the consciousness fundamental or not? Well, as you saw in my book, from an esoteric perspective, absolutely. And not only that, I, I like to remind people again and again that the founders of quantum mechanics were all philosophical idealists. Mm 
-hmm. So you can be a perfectly fine scientist, even in the hard sciences, and believe that consciousness is fundamental. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't change the science at all. No, and it doesn't so, change you change you as a person. Well, it, it, I think it actually does, right? So if, if you're a, if you're a standard materialist, which to say like a, a, a stereotype of a hardcore atheist, for example, mm -hmm. they tend to, to believe strongly that you are your brain. Mm -hmm. You and your brain are the same thing. That. Yeah. Yeah. So that's that's like one of the ways of looking at it. Under that condition, that means that your outlook in terms of the nature of yourself and your role in, in the physical universe is that you're a random accident, that there's no purpose or meaning to anything, and that we reality is nihilistic. There's no meaning of, about anything. Well, you, you can be a perfectly nice person, right? You, you, in that case, you can uh, behave well and contribute to society and everything else, but behind all of it, you don't really think that there's anything meaningful going on in terms of the entire universe, or especially your role in it. You'd have no role, in a sense, at least no fundamental role. Whereas if you're an idealist, you flip that completely upside down. Now, your existence in the universe is the most meaningful thing that there is, the complete opposite of nihilism. Now, everything is permeated with meaning. So from a personal perspective, it's really quite different as to what kind of philosophy you accept. Uh, and it's it's really it's related to, but very separate from a religious perspective. So I'm a religious, not atheistic, because I'm not smart enough to know what's going on. But I'm a religious in the sense that I don't spend much time thinking about it because I wasn't brought up that way, and I don't need to believe in that way. But I probably would put myself into the category of spiritual without being religious. Like I sense there's more. There's yeah. something meaningful. There's something happening that we need to figure out in some way, but it doesn't require a organized religion in yeah. order to to have me plug into that. Well, I am part of your church. <laughs> yeah, and, and that's growing. exactly how I describe myself. Yeah. yeah, I just I just have different experiential, um, a different experiential aspect to my experience as a spiritualist without a religion. I don't, I, not that I don't believe in organized religion because it exists, but I don't assign myself to any organized religion because it's all man-made. Yeah. I mm. subscribe more to the consciousness uh, um, than, than the human religion. I want to just backtrack very quickly when you talked, when we said, you know, do you think this will happen? How far away do you think we are? And you're like, next Tuesday or 50 years Tuesday. Um, you know, Laura and I were talking earlier, do you, because, you know, I've got three children and obviously in my line of work, I come across a lot of people who are obviously very open to or curious about who I am, and what I do. And many people come to me because of the experiences that their children are having. So children mm -hmm. that are children now under like sort of in their teens and younger children. So I've got teenagers and an eight-year-old. They are all uh, super, super normal or X-Men in their own right, um, probably because they are, have a home where it is, um, it's not fostered, but it's definitely not shut down or suppressed. Right. Do you think that that, that where maybe my generation is the next one down from yours, do you think that the, the next generation, we might actually see people like my children becoming the scientists of the future that just start off with, this ideology and so therefore we're really only kind of maybe 
two generations of academia scientists that are actually in the thick of their research, that have earned their strikes to get there, to have that funding, and even politicians and medical doctors. Do you think that when we, when we have another couple of generations come through, that that might actually be the time where we actually see, start to see some legitimate, real-time, real-world um, science happening? It, what you're asking, in a sense, is are we evolving through through additional generations to become more open to these kinds of ideas? Yes. Uh, I would say probably yes. And that is uh, mainly, though, because of the, the science that has been done, mm. which shows that if you pay attention to it, it's a real thing. That already drops a, a huge burden against people in earlier times where they assumed that it wasn't real. Like nobody's studying this. It's, it's just fantasy. Well, if you can look at this in one way, like uh, 10 years ago, the idea of same-sex marriage or legalized marijuana were impossible. I mean, politically impossible. There's no way in the world you could do any of that, except maybe in Amsterdam or something like that. Well, it is, it is a social change that happened fairly quickly, almost everywhere in the world, at least in the, in the Western-style world, uh, where now it's not a big deal anymore. And so th these kinds of social changes take time, takes a lot of working behind the scenes. And the fact is that the majority of the world, including scientists, including politicians, they already know that this stuff is real, but there is a taboo that prevents you from speaking about it for fear of losing credibility or being thought strange. That, that is changing. Just like uh, maybe uh, 30 or 40 years ago, people were using psychedelics in science and a lot of younger people are taking psychedelics. And then it went underground for a very long time because governments got scared because people shouldn't think for themselves. Mm. Well, that's beginning to blossom again as well. And as we saw in, in the 1960s, when you have a lot of people taking psychedelics, their interest in consciousness explodes. And so that is likely to happen as well. That we'll simply have a lot of people's heads breaking open as a result of being able to perceive reality in new ways, in different ways. So I have a but, little bit but Wait a second. But, but the other part of your question was, is there, is there an actual evolution happening to mm -hmm. provide more people like yourself? I think the answer is no. I, I think there, we, we've always had people like yourself and, and children. And I think there is a genetic component to it. And it's still rare enough that if every other person you met was openly telepathic and so on, this would not be an issue. It's rare enough so that maybe somewhere between one and 100 to one in 10,000 people have these skills naturally. And so as we begin to learn more about it, the likelihood is that we will find ways of improving the number of people who have these kinds of experiences. But there's a, there's a status quo break against that. And so people ask me sometimes, what happens when we, get, when we get there? If it's five generations from now or science has a breakthrough or something like that. And the answer is it would change everything. Mm, and scary. there are an awful lot of people out there who do not want things to change. That's what governments are for, they're to maintain status quo. And, and so the one example that's easiest to understand is, let's say everybody becomes really telepathic on demand. You cannot have governments the way that they operate without secrets. You can't have business. You can't have law. You can't 
have hardly anything that we think about in the modern world if a lot of people were actually telepathic. And so there's enormous amount of pressure that would be pushed to prevent that from happening. That just brings up so many more questions because yes. it, for, for someone like me, um, on a very simplistic level, because clearly we are not scientists at any level, um, at a very simplistic level, there are energetic boundaries that you can create. So you talk a lot about um, intention and how that affects the way that we live and manifesting and all those kinds of things, which we can talk about in a minute. But I, for example, as a medium, but also as a psychic, being able to see into people's past, present and future, but also to feel it and to know it, um, I can intentionally set a boundary around what I want to make available to myself to understand and receive. So in my past, I, and I can now still, uh, know and see how someone is going to die and when that is going to happen. However, I don't enjoy it. It is not pleasant and nothing good comes out of knowing it. Nothing. In terms of what I can actually do for a person in knowing it, mm. they would have to then go to see another team of people for something good to come out of it. But that, that hierarchy and that system does not exist yet. So I do not want to receive that information and I can energetically, intentionally stop that information from coming through. Mm. I can also energetically and intentionally stop people from understanding my intentions and, and, and psychic energy. There are boundaries that can be placed. It's just energy. It's just, it's another science. I don't know science and how it works, but I do it every day. Mm. I don't understand the mechanics of it, but I'm doing it. So when it comes down to law, politics, governments, everything in terms of secrets, um, it would be really just understanding the more very simplistic, I guess, way of energetic boundaries and energetic intention. Mm -hmm. It's like a different security system. Yeah. No, yeah. no, I agree. But you're talking from what I would say is an advanced viewpoint. Yes. Right. You know how to do this. I get lots of emails from people all the time who claim that they're under psychic attack. Mm. Well, they're mm -hmm. maybe naturally psychic and they don't know what to do. So they're mm. disturbed by it. I get that too. So there would have to be education and methods and society would have to tell people, yes, you have ways of shielding yourself. The other thing though, is I, I kind of suspect that people who are trained to break through those defenses probably could. I know I can. Mm. Yeah. So see? It comes so, down to moral. And yes, yes. No, you do it, talk right. about it, that. You talk about it being dangerous. Like it, yes. it is, humans aren't ready with to to have that kind of power. I guess in right. their hands, it yeah, would be right. entirely yeah. destructive. Which was proven also when when you talked about um, the study that was done uh, by the government uh, during the Cold War, where they studied people like me to see whether or not they could gain intelligence to use as a weapon. Yeah. Well, not, not exactly. I mean, intelligence is just that. You're getting information about something. Someone else has to decide what they're going to do with the intelligence, right? And so the reason why I, I did not, I, I obviously, like anybody rational, is dead set against any kind of war mm -hmm, yeah. or even violence. 
But one of the things that happens with, with wars, especially like we're seeing today now with Ukraine, yeah. we don't know what's going on. Like we can't tell what's going on with Putin. And that's destabilizing. So if we're in a, a position where there are people like yourself who were trained to actually kind of look inside him, what, you know, what is the actual, what's his intention? That's extremely important because it, it allows you to, to make choices that are not going to harm people and, and ultimately would be better. So, so that, that's why I think that the use of clairvoyance for making better decisions is certainly useful. Why do you um, summarize, not summarize, why do you generalize it into clairvoyance? Uh, just as a shorthand. I mean, okay. it, because I mean the, there, there's, a, as you said, there's, there's like a dozen or two dozen different forms of <laughs> clear seeing, clear hearing, all that stuff. So uh, clairvoyance is a, a, a catch-all, kind of like the word psi is. Yeah. There are information so arriving and we don't know exactly how it arrives, but it can be perceived as one of the ordinary senses or some other senses. Because I spend a huge part of my teaching um, on explaining to people the misconception behind me just being a clairvoyant and that what I am is clairvoyant. It's, it's, a, very, it's a very small part of a collective of, of, of abilities that are happening for me to be able to receive the information that I receive, the impressions. No, just shorthand. Okay. <laughs> Is question? that okay? <laughs> That's fine. It's totally fine. <laughs> um, do you, um, in the Institute of Noetic Sciences, do you, what do you do there? So if, yeah, let's talk a bit. About yeah, because that. it's very intriguing for me, even um, Julie from Winbridge Institute. So I'm hoping to be able to be a part of their studies and I'm hoping mm. to get Julie onto the podcast as well because yeah, be as, as a human, as just a, a plain old generic human, not a supernormal or an X-Men, um, I want to know, uh, like from a spiritual perspective, I know why I am the way that I am. From a human perspective, I don't. From a science perspective, I don't. And there are a lot of people, like I spoke with Teresa Chul, there are a lot of people like me. I just want to understand on a human level why I am the way that I am. I would love there to be science that can explain and validate and help me understand who I am. Do you, is that what you do? Is that one of your goals at Noetic Science at the Institute? And what else do not, you do then? No, not really. It, okay. Uh, th there's there's two elements to it. One is that we we're science nonprofit, so we we do science. We happen to do it under a working hypothesis that says that everything is interconnected. And when you work from that perspective, you you embody this sense of everything is interconnected. You gain access to information and are able to do things that you otherwise would not be able to do. So like any, any science institute is interested in studying fill in the blank. And in our particular case, it turns out that psychic experience is the easiest way to study the nature of consciousness. Because so that's ultimately what we're interested in. Mm -hmm. And the motto of, of IONS when it first started in 1973 was, that we're interested in the frontiers of consciousness. And, and since our founder was an astronaut, the way you would put it is that 
Uh, he had spent his career up to that point studying outer space. Now he's going to study inner space. And that's kind of what we do. Right. And so people like me just help you understand that. Yeah. The so mechanics. You have, some you have special skills. And it, unfortunately, it turns out that uh, we can select people for experiments based on interest. Yeah. If they're interested, they'll probably do well enough so that we can actually get interesting results in an experiment, which mm -hmm. is good. We will occasionally work with people with special talents. Like we've done studies with mediums and studies with healers and that sort of thing. Uh, and uh, we, we did a study that was published last year on the genetics of psychic ability. So I do kind of think of it like X-Men. Uh, we're, we're dealing with mutations, maybe, except that when we, we did this small scale study where we found people like yourself who are psychic and psychic families, and then we vetted them for actual talent, we got their DNA, and then we found match controls, same age, sex, and, and uh, race, and got their DNA too as, as non-psychics. And what we expected was we would find some genes or maybe epigenetic components that showed that, that you're X-Men, you, you have mutations, but it actually turned out to be the opposite, mm -hmm. that the, the mutations were people who had no psychic ability at all. So it's more common for what we can call the wild type human, the, the average human out there, to have some ability in this domain. May not be at the level of world champion, but it's something. And it's a relatively small minority, we think, of people who never have any of these kinds of experiences in themselves or anyone in their families. So interestingly, that's me, at least initially, because as I said, when I was growing up, we never talked about this, but that doesn't mean it wasn't there. It can express itself in many different ways. So my, my father was an artist and sculptor his entire career. Up until the age of 25, I was a violinist. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the, this creative, creative urge expresses itself in many different ways. Uh, and so I, I mean, now that I'm older and I've had many more experiences, I see that I'm probably average in terms of psychic ability. Uh, but but some people simply don't have it at all. And for them, it becomes very rational to be extremely skeptical about these stories that they hear other people saying, because to them, it'll sound like fairy tales. Makes sense. It does make sense. Um, however, every single human that is alive has the potential to develop their intuition, which is the psychic language. So the way that I describe my abilities is really just I'm far more advanced and far more experienced in it than and evolved than the average person, the wild human. Um, but but just like you are so much more evolved and advanced and experienced in the science that you study than the than the person just starting out that wants to be a four-year-old jet propulsion astronaut or, or whatever, a quantum physicist. Um, but I have experienced uh, the the honor and the um the ability to be able to train people that have come to me and said i have zero ability and really it's just getting them and you know um listening to your experiment on the dark chocolate mm. i was thinking about this the entire time that i was listening to that part of the book where um if i can just get people to leave their ego judgment outside and just get them to try it and have fun and, and and just see, just like, okay, just humor me, humor me. Um, 
nine times out of 10, they will experience something very, very, very quickly. Mm-hmm. And then once they have that shift of belief of what's possible, it, it's, it's up to their own time how quickly they can get to where, where they are satisfied with their ability of um, sight. Yeah. And, but, but, but there's also a place for talent. Right. So everybody could learn tennis and learn how to play an instrument, but they're not all going to go to Wimbledon or Carnegie Hall or yes. the equivalent. Yes. And so the part, part of the issue then is uh, that we're interested in is, well, why is somebody talented? I mean, you asked a question yourself. Why are you different than, than the wild type out there? Well, we have guesses that one of the guesses is that uh, we know that there's a morphological difference in your brain, probably you have a, a slightly different structure in your brain, uh, which is the, the idea of an antenna is a metaphor, but it's something like there are portions of the brain that seem to be more sensitive to these kinds of things than other portions. Mm-hmm. So if somebody doesn't have that, I mean, our brains are all very similar, but there are different structures in brains. If you don't have that particular structure, then you may not have a good memory. You may have an exceptional memory. You, you may not be able to remember numbers, but you're extremely good at something else. I mean, we're different. Yeah. So some people have structural brain differences, genetic differences, family differences, historical yeah. differences. I mean, they all add up into such a way that some people are simply more talented at it. So it's kind of like what comes to my mind there is a short person and a tall person. So a tall person might be able to reach the ceiling if they put their fingers up, but a short person will never be able to reach the ceiling. Unless they can learn how to levitate, yes. Yeah, <laughs> or stand on something. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and just, you know, for our listeners, quickly, the dark chocolate experiment was really just about um, using um, the... Intention. Uh, intention. Yeah, using the intention behind blessing chocolate. And there was a blind study done on people who received the blessed chocolate and then the, 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 the group that received the non-blessed chocolate and then he studied them to see which so one had more effect on on knowing the intention behind the chocolate. No, no, it was measuring their mood. Sorry, yes, the mood, yeah, yeah, their, their yeah. happiness and their, their mood and how it raised their mood. Yeah. Um, yeah, which was so interesting in terms of intention. And when I when I teach people, or people that come in to learn how to do what I do and to develop their abilities, um, one of the components that I find, I feel I will be forever be a student of myself in trying to figure out how to accept it to people is getting them to understand the the faith behind it I I have this because it is who I am I don't doubt it at all and that goes a huge part to why I have the talent yeah it's simply because my belief is solidly on one side of what is possible and it happens and it does and so getting people to, to get to that point where they have that solid belief is really difficult until they actually experience it. So I need them to have the experiential before they can have it. So it's like faith. It's like you faith really can only come when you are in experience of faith becoming real. When you walk forward, even though you know there is nothing there and then something appears, you don't actually know faith until you've experienced it in its happening. Mm-hmm. And so it's the same with the belief and belief and intention, two different things, obviously. But when 
when it comes to developing, those who can experience psychic abilities um, and or psi, um, we can get them to a level. But what takes them from being at that level, at the regular level, to a talented level where they can actually do what I do and teach potentially as well, is that huge giant leap, which is not really that huge, but it is, into unwavering belief that it is just always there and there is nothing in time and space that prevents it from being there. Yeah, that's not easy for many people. It's not. And that's why I can't explain it. You know, it's yeah. I, I, I can only talk you're, about this is the best way that I can explain it. Yeah, you're not really talking about belief in this case. So you don't, we don't believe our experiences. We are our experiences. Yes, correct. Right? You, you, you embody it. You are it. So the faith element of it is interesting too, though, because there you're being asked to believe or at least to suspend your disbelief mm-hmm. about something, anything. The way I like, I like to describe to people is when you go to a movie theater, you're not being a critic that you're seeing a flat thing with moving lights on it. You're suspending your disbelief about the idea that you're, you get into the film, you're pulled into it. It's something like that. You, you simply Love have that. to mm. decide that for the next 20 minutes, I'm going to have complete faith that you're telling me what is completely right. Later, I can be skeptical about it. But for right now, no. And you're right. That does make a difference in terms of how well people perform, even in the laboratory, it does. So in, in the real uncontrolled wild world, it would have probably even a bigger effect. Mm. So if I was to... Um, really seriously, because this is something that in the next two years I really want to spend my focus on, is working out how I can understand from a science perspective why I am the way that I am. Is it something, and for our listeners too, is it something that is a like a layered approach of I would need to get my brain, the, the structure of my brain understood. I would need to get my DNA, my genetics done. I would there would be a multitude of different things about me that would need to be studied. Less of all the consciousness aspect. It would be more the human component too. That it would be all of the above. Okay. Right. And so how long we, does that take? <laughs> a lifetime. Right. So no, I, it, don't, it, I don't. I don't expect not, to get an answer. No. The, <laughs> Science can move very quickly, as we've seen with the development of vaccines for COVID, when there's money behind it. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of smart people out there and a lot of tools and a lot that can be done. This field has about 100 people working on it for very, very little money. There is no money in it. And so progress is very slow. In terms of what, like a, a plan, let's say a 10-year plan to get from where we are, to get to the point where you can easily identify why are there people like you, which would involve all kinds of testing and whatever? We can do that, but we need a billionaire to step up to the plate and say, what do you, well, what do you need? You need 10, like a million a year? No, more like 20 million a year for a couple of institutes around the world to really dive into this question in a multidisciplinary way, and we can make progress. So it's really more of a, like a either an individual wealthy person or society recognizes that this is something that is valuable. And the way that I, I try to sell that idea is when you're faced with 
mounting number of crises, any one of which could be an extinction event, we have better collectively learn how to make better decisions. Well, in a new way, yeah. Yeah, well, it, intuitives are really good at that. That's like, that's the, the, the job of an intuitive. <laughs> Should I do this or that? Well, what do intuition say? Well, that one. Okay, we'll do that. Yeah, see, oh God, I'm loving this, but I feel like I <laughs> we're running out of time. Oh, I just really? want to be here for the next month with you, Dean. Seriously, what what I um, what what comes to mind with that too is that you know, going back to the the discussion on morals, and when it comes to people like me, we could already be doing the harm if we wanted to, but usually people that have these heightened abilities and these supernatural abilities, the, the extra, extra next level, we understand that that is not for the highest good. And so along with this capacity to interact with the universe and spirit in, and consciousness in a way that is not regular, comes the awareness that we are a collective and so if I hurt you, I'm hurting me because we understand the way that it works on an energetic karmic level, the universal laws that are at play. So if I was to use my abilities to harm society in any way or humankind in any way or create weapons or weaponize my abilities in a sense, um, it has to come back to me. So why would I want to do that? Well, you're speaking as a combination of a rational and compassionate person. But there are people out there (laughs) who are interested in power. Yeah. Right. A lot of people have contacted me about from my as a result of my book, who are business people and financial people who want power. They don't they could care less about the rest of society. They want to wield the power. Wow. Own me. Well, I mean, look, look at our politicians. It seems like most are really not that interested in helping people. They're interested in getting and maintaining power. So in that sense, that's one of the reasons why I spend a little time talking about black magic in my book, because it is dangerous, mm-hmm. dangerous for the person who is practicing it and for other people as well. So the, historically, white magic, black magic is kind of at each other's throats for, for a lot because... If you're if you're if you're not naturally somebody who uh, is empathetic or compassionate about others, you can act easily in a, a position where all you're interested in is is wielding your power over other people or gaining something that you you shouldn't get. That so, becomes so X Men movie like to me. It's it's like if you think about X Men, the movie. Um, it's such a foreign, like I understand it and I get that not all people are like me in terms of the compassion and the empathetic, but it there is something and I can't quite explain it or articulate myself properly, so please forgive me, but there is something about, I truly believe, there's something about the people that are at my level and even beyond me that we don't have that element to ourselves and I think it's a soul evolution thing. So, uh, for example, I would believe that maybe four lifetimes ago, of my soul um, in a human experience, maybe I would have used my abilities to harm others or for self-empowerment self, self empowerment or whatever. 
But as your soul progresses, you learn these characteristics of the nature of the soul. There's human nature and then there's the nature of the soul. And so at some point we move from human nature to soul nature. And so the ones with the soul nature, if they've been if they're given the the money to be able to fund it and their research, and we were able to amplify the people that are from the soul nature, not the human nature, then those people would absolutely run the world and look after the world in a beautiful place. But you would have to guarantee you'd have to work out a way to be able to decide whether or not or discern whether or not they are of human nature or soul nature. Because I truly believe that I am a spiritual being having a human experience as we all are except I have the ability to be able to work with my soul nature and my human nature in harmony. And you're not, and you're not normal. <laughs> well, we know that. Don't you worry about that. Well, I mean, I'm saying that in a positive way, that uh, the humanity always has uh, people who are advancing in, in lots of different directions. I mean, the strength and the resiliency of humanity is that we have people who are really good we're pushing the blazing trails out in all different directions. And it's one of the reasons for humanity's resilience is that if something happens like a big environmental thing or whatever, that we have enough people who are will be able to quickly adapt to that so we don't disappear. Mm-hmm. Because if we were all pretty much the same and have the same capacities and everything, one little thing can come wrong that would just wipe out everybody immediately. So yeah. a case can be made that uh, it, it's important to have people who are uh, maybe not X-Men, literally, but uh, if, you, if you do a, a, if you look in the, the atlases of DNA, human DNA, you see that there are hundreds, thousands of different kinds of mutations. Some are good, some are not so good, but it means that the, even though we are very similar in many ways, we also have, we really are unique in terms of each individual's capacities. So some people may want to learn how to be psychic. Maybe they're very compassionate and healers and all that. And they just not built for it, either physically or mentally. That's not who, who they can be as the best person that they are. Uh, whether there's a soul behind all of that that is progressing through lifetimes as a scientist, I don't know. If I have a soul detector or something, I, you know, I can do something. <laughs> how do you mention point. that? <laughs> Yeah, we, we don't have any instruments that can do that yet, but uh, as soon as we do, we'll, we'll look into it. Well, it is the information from the soul that we're receiving as psychics to, um, and mediums as to understand what we understand. Like, there, there could not not be a soul. Like, for me to be a medium, there has to be a soul, basically. They don't exist without each other. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, yeah. what, what is a soul? If I ask a thousand people, what what is a soul? What do you what do you imagine as spirituality? Mm-hmm. I'll get a thousand different answers. I might yeah. even get five thousand different answers. Yeah. So it, th- these are complex issues where you can get an intuitive hunch about what's going on, but it's they're very difficult to actually understand these kinds of concepts. As a scientist, do you love having those kinds of conversations? Where sure. where someone like you and I, for example, would just sit down and just people between each other and and you you ask me a million questions to find out what it's like to be me and I ask you a million questions to find out what you know and one day maybe sit down and just go wow here are some matches where we can actually find answers that we haven't been looking at because people like you and I haven't sat together to have these conversations in this way yeah that's essentially what we do what you do do a lot yeah Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean because we have talented people who come by or that in the last couple of years, mostly over Zoom, 
I, I've spoken and the other members of our team have spoken to lots of people with lots of different interesting ideas. Mm. So, and, and we're kind of forced to go into that direction because all of us are very open anyway. We wouldn't be doing this if we weren't. Research. Our, our uh, research director is also a medium and a channeler. She's also a scientist and, and a, a trained clinician. Uh, so, and one of our other people is a long-term meditator. I mean, we, we're all kind of in that space. Uh, for, for myself, just having dealt with this, this domain for 40 years now, uh, I've met lots of people with all kinds of strange abilities. So I, <laughs> you know, I get a sense that, uh, oh, and in many cases, I can't do what they do. You know, we work with lots and lots of healers. So we're always talking about, well, you, you can feel, you can feel the, the aura, the feel. I don't feel anything. <laughs> That's like me. It's, yeah. and it's like I can see that there he is your grandfather standing there. It's like, well, I don't see him there, but I see him there, and this is what he looks like, and this is what he sounds like, and he's got a yeah. lip or he's got a scar on his face. It's like, yeah, that's all true, but I don't see him there. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. One, of, one of my assistants uh, was also highly psychic, and uh, every so often we'd be talking about something, and then she starts looking you know, over here, looking over there. Well, okay, well, what's going on? And there's like a eight foot tall reptilian alien or something over here. And she just has to speak to it to make it go away or something. So. Yeah. yeah. You just, I find myself just going, okay, sure. We, I have an, no. alter, an alternative name, which is Stacy. So my name yeah. is Tracy, but they, call, they say Tracy Stacy's here when, when that happens because it's like my eyes glaze over and I don't know what's happening, no. but they all see it happening and they know it. Yeah. Um, did you have any questions that I know that? No, I think I, I think we've covered. You've hijacked the interview, but that's totally fine because I was completely entertained the entire time. <laughs> I, I'm okay with that. Yeah, totally fine. Is there anything that you feel that um, that you would like to share to our listeners that that we haven't sort of asked you today that you think that our listeners might like to hear or understand maybe perhaps about what's happening right now in terms of science and people like us or is there anything that you know is um any studies that are taking place or things like that that people could put some weight behind or some attention behind well it's not that there isn't something the question is that there's so much then what do i talk about <laughs> how do i so well one what I'm working on right now, uh, uh, one of the projects is uh, the Global Consciousness Project, which I, I think I talked about it in the book briefly, but it's the idea of uh, when you have a million people get together and pray for peace, does that do anything other than make people feel better? Mm -hmm. uh, and the flip side, if you have a terrorism act or a lot of people out there wanting to get you, does that change the world in some way? So. We're talking about is consciousness causal? Does it do something? Very difficult to figure that out from a scientific perspective. We know it's causal and that I can make my hand do this. I'm intending this, but it's all inside. So from the neuroscience perspective, we, can, we sort of know, we don't exactly know, but we can figure out to some degree why I can do this. If I make you do that directly mm -hmm. through telepathy, then it's a major challenge. But since, yeah, see? Gotcha. That's all, that's all we need to say. <laughs> no, so the Global Consciousness Project has been using uh, random number generators in major cities around the world, including a couple in Australia. Uh, we, they've been running continually since 1998. 
So every second from every generator around the world, we're getting data. So at this point, we have uh, something like 120 gigabytes of data involving trillions and trillions of wow. bits. And so what we've been doing is looking at the correlation between major world events and what is happening to the randomness. And the reason is uh, that the metaphor that I use to explain what's happening here is, let's say you want to detect a tsunami. So a tsunami is a distortion in the medium that we call the ocean. Like recently we had this big under, undersea volcano explode. It creates a wave which is the size of the ocean. How do we detect that? We detect it because we put buoys all throughout the oceans, thousands of them, and we measure the relationship to each other. So normally if you're able to measure like the where each buoy is pointing, they're pointing randomly all over the place. Mm -hmm. When a big wave comes along, they're gonna all start floating together. And that's our mm -hmm. signal that there's a tsunami coming and then you can track it. So what if consciousness was really fundamental and we imagine that our consciousness is like a drop in the ocean, right? We're, we're sort of separate, but we're not really separate. We're, we're part of that same medium. At some times when minds are all focusing on the same thing, it's as though there's a tsunami that's been created. A giant wave of collective attention has been formed. Well, in today's world with the way the media works, you could have a large proportion of the world all paying attention to the same thing at the same time. So this is new in human history, but it happens. So we can then say, well, what, what do we use as our buoys to, de to detect this? We use devices that are extremely sensitive to the arising of order in the physical world. That's what a random number generator is. Most of the time, it's completely random. It's designed to be random. If order appears in the physical world, it'll stop behaving randomly. And so over the course of 500 major world events from 1998 to the present, we've been looking at how does randomness behave during those large-scale events? If you have a, mil a billion people meditating, does it make a difference? The answer is yes, it does. We can see that change worldwide as a physical change, meaning wow. the random number generator outputs become ordered, which is an opposite of entropy. It's becoming orderly. And this is not a trivial result in this experiment. It's a seven sigma result, which means that the odds against chance is around three trillion to one. So to put that in, in the, the, like lay terms, if we were to replicate this experiment, which has taken 20 years, get this result, we would have to repeat it three trillion times in order to get a result as good as the one that we saw. <clears throat> so three trillion times 20 years is, a, is longer than the age of the universe, as far as we know. So we're pretty sure that this is a real effect. It wasn't just wow. a fluke that we we're able to see this. Amazing. So what I'm doing now is I'm working on new ways of detecting whether what looks like randomness actually is the effect of many, many minds not only human, but many, many pieces of consciousness out there, which are part of this ocean of consciousness, Traveling which occasionally will be coherent and it will affect the physical world. So as we get further along on this, and we're developing what we call GCP 2.0 now, which will have over a thousand random generators around the world, uh, and, and have a lot of other bells and whistles in it, if we can begin to show with greater and greater precision that we're dealing with consciousness as causal, then it begins to make a lot of sense to tell people we're gonna have 
we're going to have half of the world's population. We're going to have 4 billion people use their collective intention towards fill in the blank. Mm -hmm. What would happen as a result? What would happen almost certainly is that the likelihood of whatever that event is, is going to increase substantially. And if we're able to do that, when then each of us can say, well, what can I do in the face of climate change and pandemics and all of that? You can do a lot. You, you join the collective, which is pushing against that into a more beneficial world, and we can make that happen just through your intention. So it's, it is a little bit like, like some people after a while, they just give up in voting. So well, my vote doesn't really matter. Well, it sure does. Sometimes a, a, an important election is solved by one vote. Well, it could have been your vote. The yeah. same thing is true here. If everyone actually agreed that they're going to intend in the right in the same direction, whatever that happens to be, that outcome is much more likely to occur. And, and we, because we would know then that it's it's a causal effect. It's not simply wishful thinking. Which it just seems so obvious to me. It does. When you explain it <laughs> because, like that. Well, no, but it seems so obvious to me because um, I, the whole time you were saying that, I was just thinking about, well, that's that's like spell work in a way or intention setting. Yeah. So yeah. I can say to someone, uh, so I teach people how to look after their energy and how to protect it. And so if I wanted to say to you, cleanse your energy, I would say, when you get in the shower, say out loud, wash away what's not mine and wash away what no longer serves me. Now, you oh. could just say it. Or you can say it with intention. If you just say it, I'm telling you, it's going to do nothing. You may as well say hobble, wobble, squiggle bum. <laughs> you know, it, it, you could be saying anything, but you have to be really in that moment for the energy to have a flow on effect. So when we get together, I mean, I don't because I'm not a witch or a practicing witch. So, but if I did, and I have in past lives, if I did get together in what we would call a coven, for example, or mm -hmm. whatever, if we were to get together as a collective with each of us having our own reason for being there, but it's a purpose for being there, but with the same intention, the spell that would be created with that intention would be much more powerful and the magic is, is stronger. So this is something that I know through and through occurs. You're just you're not just doing it but what you're talking about is doing it from a collective human consciousness level and just taking it to that very top level but if it occurs on a small level can it not just be said that of course it would occur on a larger level uh yes and so but this it has interesting um it has interesting scientific issues underneath this i mean okay. i'm interested in consciousness but the the interesting scientific issue is the very reason why Einstein didn't like quantum mechanics, he said it, a number of things. One of them, a famous one is that God does not place dice with the universe. And what, what he meant by that is that the, in the quantum mechanical view of reality, everything at bottom is completely random, fundamentally random. It has no purpose or reason for why something happens. It's true a causality. Things just happen. Well, Einstein didn't like that. A lot of physicists still don't like that very much because what do you mean something just happened for no reason? Well, this kind of study that I'm doing now is suggesting that even for things that are designed to be random, maybe they're not quite so random after all. It looks random because most of the time our minds are all kind of going all over the place. We're able to, to look at a map of 8 billion minds and draw where they're pointing. They're pointing everywhere. 
So it looks random. It's like churning reality. If those 8 billion minds suddenly, for whatever reason, became in alignment, focused on the same thing, not even with intention, but just attention, mm. alignment, that would be reflected by a change in the physical world. That's, that's making the, a much more intimate connection between mind and matter than science is willing to admit at this point. But if it's true, it really does change a lot in terms of the way we think about who we are and what's our role in, in the universe. It makes yeah. us, we, we are the universe at that point, well, yeah. which is very different than the way that science views it today. So that's why it, that's why it has interesting underpinnings within science and especially within physics. So that's, that's one of the major projects I'm working on now. It's fascinating. Like that what gets you out of bed in yeah. the morning, keeps you going. Like you said, you're not in it. You know, there's no money to be had, so it must be this intense uh, sense of curiosity about wanting to explore all yeah. these ideas. Well, even just having this conversation right now, it, it, the conversation is endless because it just keeps leading. It's like the universe. It, we yeah. go into this abyss. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but this but this actually is another reason why I like this topic. That yeah. in, to, in order to begin to understand the nature of consciousness, you need to know everything because it touches everything. It is like it is everything. Mm-hmm. So none of us are capable of that. I can't know everything, mm-hmm. but I've learned a lot about a lot of things and an enormous amount about a few things. And after a while, you can kind of get a picture of it. You know, there you can you can't really grasp it, but you can grasp something about the, the enormity yeah. of the issue. It's not just a math. difficult problem, but it's like a description of everything, yeah. uh, like a true theory of everything, not just one that's looking at a piece of physics. Uh, so it's, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a challenge. It keeps me off the streets. <laughs> uh, and, you know, it's and beautiful, it's, isn't it? It's fun. Yeah, it's, it's beautiful fun. too. It's just, um, it's, I find it beautiful. I find um, the the ability to dream, the ability to wonder, to fantasize, to to talk, to discover, to research. I find all of it just such a beautiful way to to exist. I think to have that curiosity mm. and um, like yeah. I don't, I I know so many things so certainly. I can't tell you um, why they're happening from a science perspective or a human perspective, but I know them because it's my experience. Um, but I still know that what I know is a minuscule of what's not only possible, but what is actually happening. Yeah. And so the, the way I think of this is that, uh, first of all, are humans at, at our current stage of evolution capable of understanding what's going on here? And I kind of suspect that the answer is no, we're not. And the reason I say that is because uh, when I talk to my dog about quantum mechanics, he looks at me and he has a very serious expression on his face. And I know that he's thinking about bones and you know, treats and stuff, but, but he, he will let me talk to him about quantum mechanics and he, he doesn't offer anything back, but you know, you get, you get the sense of he has, he would have no conception of what I'm talking about. He wouldn't even begin to understand anything about it. And so in, in those unusual moments of insight, whether psychic or not, you, you can get a sense of, Oh, Oh, now I, I actually understand how it works. And then you try to express it to somebody else and it's completely gone. gone. Yeah. Totally gone. Because we can't hold it. Like this is this is not big enough somehow to, to, to get it. But collectively, 
when you have a lot of smart people and there's multidisciplinaries going on and people like yourself who are part of the team, we have the chance of making a major step in the the new direction. It's the puzzle and maybe getting all of the framework done and some of the inside bits done if we all work together on that one puzzle. Yeah, no, the, the, the frame is easy. It's the inside pieces that yeah. are all shaped the same way and the same color. <laughs> My wife likes those kinds of puzzles. I don't like them though, because you know, like staring at it and what, you know, what, what am I supposed to do with this thing? I don't know. <laughs> I love puzzles. I'm obsessed with them. Do you know what though, interesting about the dog thing, because dogs obviously sense emotion and feeling. So if you were to figure out a way to explain quantum physics in an emotional way, your dog probably would be able to understand your language. <laughs> maybe, yeah, maybe. <laughs> Just to throw that in there. Well, I do know that when I start talking about Schrodinger's cat, he gets all excited. Yeah. <laughs> but, that's, but that's because he understands one word. Yeah. Cat. cat. The important one. There's a cat. Yeah. Well, they know Claire Olfactance and Claire Gustance and Claire Sentience and Claire Audience. They just don't have that the, the soul evolution for the human nature. Okay. <laughs> Oh, my goodness. Oh, I can talk to you honestly for the yeah. rest of my entire and life and never really get bored. Could. She really could. I, I bet you believe, <laughs> you're believing that now too. <laughs> yeah. uh, thank you so much for your time and your chat. And um, we're big fans and we will continue to be big fans and check out all the work that you're doing um, over at IONS and on your own website and we'll um, pop links to the show in our show notes to all of the places that we can find you at. So right. thanks for that. Thank you. Thanks so much, Dean. Have a great day. Bye. Bye. We love bringing Turns Out She's Psychic to you each week at no cost. So if you like what you hear, please consider supporting the show by donating to our Patreon. We are a small operation researching, coordinating and producing the show ourselves. Any amount is sincerely appreciated and helps offset the costs of making the show. As a thank you, we'll send you out some Tosby tattoos. We'll give you a Patreon shout out on the podcast. There's a monthly live Q&A, competitions and giveaways, as well as special book and movie review bonus episodes. For more details, please click the link in the show notes. Of course, if you want to get in touch, send us an email at tospsychic at gmail.com we welcome your ghost stories and any questions that you have for myself or tracy and we'd love it if you left a review and shared the podcast with your friends and family and give us a follow on insta at turns out underscore she's psychic bye-bye bye